All right, if you've got your program and if you will open that up, um, we're going to talk about, we're continuing our Christmas, our Christmas carols teaching series. Every week in December, we've been looking at a different carol and exploring kind of the spiritual significance or the theological emphasis behind each one of those Christmas carols, hoping to help us to rediscover and reconnect with the true meaning of the Christmas season. Today we're looking at one of the shortest Christmas carols of all, uh, Amazing, um, Away in a Manger. It's amazing the story that's behind this. You know, I've been telling you all these elaborate stories of who wrote and how it came about of all these. And, and the amazing thing about Ways in a Manger is we don't know very much at all. We don't know why this is even a Christmas carol, how this came about. The first time it was ever published was in the Lutheran Sunday School curriculum back in 1885. They didn't know who wrote it. They didn't know who the lyrics were. It was attributed at that time to the great reformer Martin Luther, but later that was discredited. And while the, the origins of Away in a Manger kind of remain a mystery, what's not a mystery is how popular it is, especially with kids. This was probably the first, this might have been the very first Christmas carol, this one along with Silent Night, oh, Silent, Silent Night, Holy Night, which we're going to talk about next week, are the two that kids learn probably first. And a lot of the reason is because um, it's so popular is because of this vivid imagery. And it talks about, it talks about this picture of Jesus' birth. And it just has a warm, fuzzy, and it's only three, as Kristen said, it's very short. It's only three verses. There's no chorus. There's no bridge. When you hand it to your band to do it, they're like, how do we do this? That's not their favorite way. I've even been told that the chord charts are just so complicated. And I'm like, I don't know what a chord chart is. Just play it. And uh, they're like, yeah, that's about how it goes around here. But uh, we're going to sing that uh, Christmas Eve as well. So if it's one of your favorites, it just moves me, these three simple verses. And often, you know, we, were, we imagine, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, Imagine sometimes when Jesus was born, we kind of imagine that stable and, you know, the barn and uh, just this warm kind of cozy environment. Um, but theologians have told us that probably the, the truth is that Jesus wasn't born in, in a cozy barn kind of environment. Um, more than likely, it was a place where they kept animals, we know that, but where they kept animals in the first century was kind of in a little carved-out place in a, a rock outcropping kind of a thing, like almost a, a, little, a little cave. And we talked about how, you know, they placed him in a manger, but if you, if you look at, a, if you Google pictures of first century mangers, uh, it's not a little cool little wooden thing that we find in our little nativity sets. It was just a, a chunk of stone that they they kind of carved out a trough so that people could uh, feed their animals in the stone. Hold on a minute. I got People are blowing up my phone. It's driving me crazy. So um, I hope they're all volunteering to help tonight at Christmas Village. <clears throat> it's like... So thank you. Those of you who are watching online, you know, am I okay? You know, they're, they're, maybe they're telling me. Uh, so when we think of Jesus being born... We think of him being born in this cozy, this cozy environment, but the reality is he's placed, no, he doesn't have any, 
He's not placed in a bassinet. He's not placed in a crib. He's not placed in a... There's no, like, uh, there's no Paw Patrol comforter on his, on his bassinet, right? I mean, he's placed on a, a chunk of stone with a trough carved out where they feed the animals. This is not a glamorous entry into the world for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, as Kristen mentioned. And I think when we sing this song, sometimes we, you know, there's a phrase there. This little short phrase that's repeated over and over, the little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head, the little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay, the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. And when we think of this song, we tend to focus on this cute, cuddly, little baby part of the, of the song. And I think when we do that, sometimes we miss out on the much bigger, more significant truth. And it's why I'm bringing up Away in a Manger as one of the ones we're going to look at. Because we miss out on the most powerful aspect of this song. That Jesus is Lord. And I think that that's one of the most significant decisions that we can make this Christmas. Today, you can make that decision that, yes, Jesus is Lord. Now, we're not focused on the little baby Jesus or he laid down the sweet head. Instead, I want us to focus on what does it mean that Jesus is Lord? And I know the word Lord is not a word that we use very often, not in 2021, almost heading into 2022 in our vocabulary. Lord is not a, a word we use very much in today's culture. But it's important that we know the meaning of Lord because Jesus in the New Testament over 740 times is referred to as Lord. So obviously this is an important phrase. In fact, it's the very first thing that is said about Jesus after he was born, the angels in Luke chapter 2, by the way, I read Luke chapter 2 every single Christmas Eve to our church family. hope you'll be here um, this Friday as, as we do Christmas Eve together. The angel says, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. I want you to underline those, those two words, the Lord. From the beginning of his life, literally, Jesus is minutes old on this planet as we count human time. He is, it is established that he is Lord. That he isn't just any baby, but this is the Savior. This is the Lord. And the big question for us is, if Jesus is Lord, then what does that mean for us? What does that mean at the end of 2021, heading into 2022? What does that mean? If Jesus is Lord, what does it mean for our everyday life? What does it mean for my career? What does it mean for my marriage? What does it mean for my relationships with my kids? What does it mean with, for my career? What does it mean for my studies if I'm a student, if I'm in school? That Jesus is, what does that mean for my life? Well, the New Testament, you've heard me say this before, the New Testament was written in Greek. And the Greek word for Lord that's translated Lord, I put it there in your notes, it's the word kurios. The Greek word kurios, I'm going to give you the definition, is what's translated into Lord. Here's what it, what it meant. And I found out in the first service, I'm not even going to have you fill this out. It's, it's going to fill in here, but I guess I've already, Merry Christmas, you don't have to fill this one out. 
Kyrios means supreme in authority, controller, Lord. Now, what word in that definition bothers us? Anybody bothered by the word controller? For many of us, word controller is a problem, isn't it? And it's a problem because, quite frankly, we like to be in control. If Jesus wants to be in control of our life and we want to be in control of all our life, we got a problem here. Jesus is going to have some competition for control in our life, and his competition is us because we want to be in control of our lives too. Now, I don't know about you, but I personally don't have that problem. I know a lot of people that do, but I'm not a control freak. Are you? As long as everybody does everything I say and I get my way, I'm not a control freak at all. Maybe that's not true. Maybe I do want to control the big things in my life and the little things in my life. Um, Isn't it true? We kind of want to be in control of every detail of our life. Now, it's funny to me because the people who think that they don't have a problem with control, I don't care. They're usually the ones who always have their way. It's like, yeah, I don't, I'm not a control freak. Yeah, it's because everybody in your, just let him think he's having his way, right? Everybody in your family, everybody in your, just tiptoe around that. Let him think he's in control kind of a thing. Some people, they like to have every single second of every day kind of planned out. You know, they say, well, I want my kids to do exactly what I say, and I want my spouse to do exactly what I say, and I, I want this Christmas, I want everything to go perfectly as I've been planning for weeks and weeks and weeks. I want it to all be perfect. I want control. Unfortunately, we all learn eventually life is not in our control. Most of life is out of our control. If the pandemic hasn't taught you anything, it should have taught you that. Most of life's not in our control. In fact, some invisible virus is controlling so much in our lives. Jesus, if Jesus is Lord, if he is the supreme authority, that's what that definition is, if he is the controller, then we can't be in control. Jesus isn't Lord of our life if we're always wrestling with him to control certain areas of our life. The question is, why should we make Jesus Lord of our life? Why is it so important that we allow Jesus to be in control of our life, the ultimate leader of our life? Well, first of all, it's a matter of love. Jesus says it this way. He says, look, the number one way that you can show me that you love me is through obedience. Jesus says, if we love him, we'll keep his commands. If we love him, we'll obey him. If we love him, we will allow him to be the leader of our life. It's all about love. Sometimes we get that backward. We think, well, I've got to obey him to prove that I love him. Jesus says, no, no, no. You don't have to prove that you love me. Just focus on loving me. If you love me, you'll then want to follow me and obey me and let me have a say in your life. His lordship is about love. It's only when I surrender control of my entire life to God that he's able to bless every area of my life. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. If God wants to bless our life to the fullest, but we have, to, we have to trust him with that area of our life. The more I surrender my life to God, the more areas of my life I surrender to God, the deeper my connection is with God, and therefore the more that he can bless those areas. That's 
That's why the only way that we experience God's best for our life in every area of our life is to surrender control of those areas to God. So that's what I want to talk about today is how, how do I know if my life is fully surrendered to Jesus Christ or not? How do I know if it's surrendered? And then how do I surrender my life to Jesus? How do I really allow him to be the Lord of my life, the supreme authority and leader of my life, the person in control of my life, the Lord? So today I want to look at three questions that we have to ask ourselves to determine if we're really surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord. And will you, I want you to jot these down. Three questions to determine if I'm fully surrendered to Jesus. Number one, and we talked about this a little bit last week, I have to ask myself, have I accepted God's gift of salvation? That's the first thing. Have I accepted God's gift of salvation? Have you asked Jesus to be your Savior? The Bible says we all need this gift of salvation. That we all need to be saved from the consequences of our sin. Sin is where instead of Jesus leading, we make ourselves Lord. Instead of Jesus being Lord, we're Lord. Instead of letting God be God, we decide, you know, I'm going to be little God in that area. And God says, I've created you. I I've loved you, loved you your whole life. I've created you with a plan. And I want you to live your life this way. Now, we look at that sometimes and we're going, Well, Lord, you're not going to be the leader of my life. You're not going to control me. You're not going to be the Lord of me. I'm in control. I'm going to call the shots. We're like Elvis and Sinatra. We're like, we want to say, I did it my way, right? And that sin, when we turn our back on God and say, no, 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 I'm going, to go, I'm going to go live my life and do it my way. When we rebel against him, the Bible says that sin creates a separation between us and God. If we don't have his presence, we don't have his peace, we don't have his power. And even more significant, we don't have, we're eternally separated from him. And we miss out on heaven for all of eternity. The good news is Jesus came into the world this first Christmas that we sing about away in a manger. He came into the world to help us overcome the consequences of our sin and to reconcile our relationship with God so that we can have a relationship with God and so that we can have eternal life in heaven. In fact, Jesus died on the cross and rose again so that our sins could be forgiven. Those consequences of our sin could be removed. So the question becomes, well then how do I accept God's free gift of salvation? Apostle Paul writes about it in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. He says, if, very clear how he puts it here. He says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So two things to notice here. First, in order to allow Jesus to be your Savior, you have to believe in your heart that he is your Savior. You have to believe that Jesus is who he said he is. That he said, I'm, I'm the Messiah, I'm God's Son, the Son of God, 
and I'm going to die and rise again in three days. If you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, he says, I'm the only way to the Father. You have to believe that. That's the first part, and that God did raise him from the dead that, that Easter Sunday. Also, there's a second part. Look what it says. It says you have to openly declare that Jesus is Lord. Jesus can't be your Savior if you don't also acknowledge him as the Lord of your life. You can't accept Jesus' free gift of salvation and think that, oh, this isn't going to impact my life at all. You can't allow the Holy Spirit, God, the Spirit, to dwell and live in you and then still remain exactly the same. The Holy Spirit is going to... The fruits of the Spirit are going to change you. And he's, he's going to change you to be more like Jesus, your Savior, the one you're following, the Lord. If Jesus isn't changing your life, if Jesus doesn't impact your decisions, if he's not setting the direction of your life, then we have to ask ourselves, do I really have a relationship with him? Do I really know him at all? Do I really believe in Jesus? Now, I'm not saying we have to be perfect. None of us are perfect. You can turn to the person next to you and say, you're not perfect. You've been wanting to do that all month. Go ahead. You're not perfect. And they're going to say back to you just as fast as you can spit it out. You're not perfect either. None of us are perfect. We're not talking about being perfect. But if our salvation doesn't impact the way that we live, the way that we're living, how we make decisions, what our priorities are, then we have to kind of ask ourselves, did I really receive the gift of salvation? Because it changes us. Jesus always changes people. Paul writes about this free gift of salvation, Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for doing the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. The question is, have you accepted this free gift and allowed God, allowed Jesus, to be your Savior and your Lord? And how has that changed the way you're living? If there's no change, if Jesus hasn't become your leader, if you're not following him... If there's something missing, because like I said, Jesus always changes. If I'm a fo- Think about it this way. If I'm a follower of Jesus, I follow him. Do you follow? You get it? You know, we have to, if we're a follower, we have to follow. Followers follow. If, if he's the leader, I've got to let him lead. And if you've never taken the step to accept his gift of salvation, I want you to do that today. Maybe, maybe right where you're sitting, you, you just pray a short prayer. You don't have to close your eyes. You just say, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Savior and Lord. I surrender to you. It's that simple. It's just a decision that you make that I'm going to put my trust in Jesus as my Savior. So in order to determine if I'm fully surrendered to Jesus, first I have to ask, have I accepted God's gift of salvation? Then, number two, the second thing I have to ask is, we fill this in? Have I submitted every area of my life to Jesus? Have I submitted every area of my life to Jesus? After we accept God's gift of salvation and we choose to follow Jesus, then we have to make sure that every area of our life is, is submitted to him. Now listen, if we're honest with ourselves, 
This is where a lot of us fall short. Because we want to say, hey God, I'm surrendered. But aren't there certain areas of our life where we're kind of wrestling that control and we're trying to hold on to control that we keep pulling back from God? It's like, I'm surrendered, but except this area and this area and that area and this area. Jesus talked about it in Luke chapter 6. He has some strong words. Whoever he was saying this to, imagine being this person that Jesus says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Gulp. Right? I mean, that's a heavy verse. Jesus says, look, and, and, and we think of that poor person that Jesus is saying that to, but the reality is this verse is for all of us. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? And Jesus says, look, don't be fake. Don't pretend to call me your Lord when I'm not your Lord. When you're not listening to me, when you're not following me, when you're not doing what I ask, don't pretend that I'm Lord. Don't kid yourself. And they'll go, and you just live your life in the old way you want to live your life. He says, instead, show me with your actions. Don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk. Don't just call me Lord and then go live life any old way that you want to live it. Fortunately, this is where a lot of us get stuck. Because we say that we want Jesus to be Lord, but we still want control of certain areas of our life. And these are the areas that we won't surrender to him. What it's like when we do that is like we're saying, all right, Jesus, I want, I want you to be Lord of every area of my life. I do. I want to follow you. But, Jesus, I know what, I know what you say about finances and money in here, and, and I, I, just, I just don't trust you in that area. So I want you to be Lord of my life, but I'm going to hold on to this other area. You know, I'm, I'm holding on to my wallet. Or Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life, but, you know, I see what you're saying about sex in here, what the Bible says about sex, and, I, you know, look, this is not how everybody lives in 2021, Jesus, so, you know, I want you to be Lord of my life, but I, I, I'm holding this area back, you know, sex and money, I, I'm gonna, this is my life, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I want in these areas of my life, or maybe it's your career, and you're like, well, I know what it says about career, and I want you to... But, you say you want me to be the light of the world, and I got to tell you, God, you know I'm the only Christian in my office, and if they find out that I'm a Christian, then it's gonna they're gonna persecute me, and I'm just gonna blend in. I'm just trying to to to, to get to Friday, you know. I, I'm not gonna rock the boat here, so I'm just gonna keep doing what everybody else is doing, and I'm gonna take back control of this area of my life. Or you pick your area. I mean, there's I could go on and on, you know. It's like we we don't have just one area; we have two areas, and then we're having a you know, three areas, four areas. Some of us are holding on to 44 areas. And, um, God, I want to follow you. I want you to be the Lord of my life, but not in these 44 areas. We say, Jesus, we want you to be Lord. But with our lives, our lives said something different. Jesus said, whoa, 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 why do you call me Lord, Lord? When you're not even going to listen to what I say. Why do you call me Lord if you're not going to do what I say? That's not surrender. He's saying, if you want to follow me, these are some of the things that he says. Some of the things he says are like, whoa. He says, if you want to follow me, you've got to take up your cross every day and follow me. He said one time, if you want to find your life, you've got to lose it first. He said one time, if you want to gain real life, 
you've got to give your life away. These are like big statements. He says, if you're going to make me Lord, well then follow me and do what I say. The truth is, the reason why many of us haven't fully committed or submitted many areas of our life to Jesus, to be honest, we don't completely trust him, do we? I just don't trust giving God that area of my life. And it's like, God, I want to give you this area, but then his plan or his, what he says, it rubs me the wrong way, and I grab that back. And I go, you know, but I really want to do what I want to do. And I get that. I do that too. And here's what happens, though. In my life, whatever areas I'm holding on to and I haven't surrendered or submitted to his control, you know what happens in those areas of my life? I make all the wrong decisions. I make it worse. Why? Because I'm not following Jesus and doing what Jesus says. I'm not asking for God's wisdom. He knows the future. In this area of my life, I'm like, all right, I'm following all these other areas, but in this one area, God, I don't want to do what you want me to do. I don't want your wisdom. I don't want to know what the future is. So I'm going to make the decisions, or worse than that, I outsource that to other people, those decisions. And i got other people with their own agendas making decisions for my life, or me with my own agenda making decisions for my life in this area that I'm holding on to. And it's like a downward spiral. I almost consistently make the wrong choice. Why? Because I'm not God. And I don't have the wisdom and know the future. But we, we hold on to it, and it goes down, down, down. It even affects some of the other areas that we really do trust God with. So what are the areas of your life today that you need to surrender to Jesus? I want you to look at your notes. I've given you a list of just a, this is not an exhaustive list, just a couple of areas that I want you to look through. And maybe you would say today, today, Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. And as we go through these, if you find an area that you would like to surrender, I want you to circle it. Now, don't circle your husbands or your wives, okay? That's the temptation. We, we, we see these verses and we're like, oh, I know who that applies to. And we don't realize it's us. But if you would circle it and make this, maybe make the decision today, today, Lord, I want to surrender this to you. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe there's a relationship you need to surrender to God. Maybe you would say, you know, um, there's a relationship that I probably shouldn't even be in, or maybe there's a relationship, but we're not, we're not living this relationship the way that God says that we should live this relationship according to his word. So maybe, maybe it's your career. Maybe... I haven't given God that part of my life, um, whatever the career field that I'm in. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's free time. Maybe there's, there's a blank there. If I didn't get one for you, maybe you want to write your habit or your addiction or one area of your life that you need to surrender to God. What is the area that you need to surrender to God? Let me give you a little hint. It's the area of your life that you stress over and you worry about and you have the most anxiety over. The, mo- the biggest fear, whatever area of your life you have the biggest fear, whatever area of your life you have the biggest hurt, those are the areas that you're holding like this, that you need to loosen the grip, you need to let it go, let it go. Those are the areas. That's the clue. What am I worried about today? What kept you up last night? That's the very area that you haven't surrendered control over. You've been holding it back. 
after you've identified the areas that you need to give up control, just make the commitment today. God, today, I want to I learn how to give you control of this area. Now, maybe you're unsure. Maybe you're scared. Maybe you're afraid. If I give up control of this area to God, I'm going to lose something. I'm going to lose something valuable to me. I'm going to lose something important to me. Maybe you're worried. What does Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Trust in the Lord with all your heart because God is faithful and worthy of our trust. Don't depend on your own understanding. He's God. He knows how he's wired you and made you. He knows the plan that he has for your life. He knows the future and what's going to happen. He knows what's best. And he wants what's best for you because he loves you. So seek his will because his path is always better than our path. Let me challenge you. Whatever area that you don't want to surrender, you're like, "Uh, I don't want to talk about this area. This is like, it's not on the table that's the area you've got to loosen your grip. You've got to let that area go. So three questions determine if we're fully surrendered. Have I accepted God's gift of salvation? Number one. Number two, have I submitted every area of my life to Jesus? And then number three, have I sacrificed my will for God's will daily? Have I sacrificed my will for God's will daily? We sacrifice our will to God when we make the decision to make Jesus our Savior and we become a follower of Jesus. Here's the thing we need to understand. Surrendering, maybe you say, I've done that, I did that. I did that in vacation Bible school. I did that in high school. Here's the thing we've got to surrender. Surrendering our will to God is not a one-time decision. And then it's like a one and done. In fact, it has to be a daily decision. It's something we do every single day. You've got to renew your commitment to God every day. You've got to renew your sacrificing your will to God's will every single day. Here's why. None of us are perfect, as I said. We're all a little bit broken. We're constantly tug-of-war with God in some area of our life. And every day we're tempted to give up first place of our life. Instead of giving God first place of our life, in our life, we're tempted to put something else in first place just for a day. Just for today, we're tempted to push God aside and say, you know, today this is going to be the most important thing. So we have to make an everyday decision, an intentional decision to say, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. I'm making you making a decision to make Jesus Lord. Now, as I say that, I gotta like take a quick time out. Before I go any further, I want to I want to get a little technical for a minute, a little theologically technical, because technically, theologically speaking, I've been saying something wrong the whole message, and we talk in the wrong way about this all the time. Whenever we say the words that I need to Make Jesus Lord. Here's the truth. The technical part of that saying is 
we don't make Jesus Lord. We don't make Jesus Lord. In fact, that's kind of arrogant for me to even say the words, we've got to make Jesus Lord of our life. Because we don't make Jesus Lord. The truth is, Jesus is already Lord. He doesn't need us to make him Lord. He is Lord. Whether we believe it or not, Jesus is Lord. Whether we like it or not, Jesus is Lord. Whether we acknowledge it or not, doesn't matter. Jesus is Lord. We don't make Jesus Lord. What we do is we surrender to what already is. So when I say we're going to make Jesus Lord, really what that means is I'm not making him Lord. I'm acknowledging and declaring he's Lord in my life. That's not so he gets to be put on the throne and become Lord. That's so I submit to his lordship that's already there. We surrender our life to Jesus, who's already Lord. We give control to the one who is already in control. He's already written the story. His story is his story. In Luke Jesus, Luke 9, Jesus describes what it means to submit your will to God. Look what it says here. Jesus in Luke 9, 23 says, If any one of you wants to be my follower, we want to be his follower. I want to be your follower. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Circle that word cross. Circle cross right down there at the end, second line. Jesus says to follow him, I've got to pick up my cross. That's a reminder that this same baby that came to a way in a manger, that one day he was going to go to the cross on Calvary and pay for your sins so that the consequences of your sins could be taken away so that you could have eternal life. It's a reminder that, it's also a reminder that following Jesus is seldom the easiest path. When you hear, take up your cross and follow me, that doesn't sound like, oh, that's easy. Sometimes following Jesus requires sacrifice. So you circle the word cross. Now I want you to underline the word next to it. Underline the word daily. You see, acknowledging that Jesus is, is Lord, as I said earlier, is not a one-time thing. Jesus says, listen, every day you've got to pick up your cross. Every day you have to consciously give your way away and give up on your way and come and follow me. Every day you've got to decide, am I going to follow you today, Lord, or not? Every day you have to sacrifice your will and what you want for my will. So it's a decision that we have to make every day. We have to redirect our lives every day for the rest of our life. Now, some of you, you're fighting this battle. You've you got this tug of war going on right now with the Lord because in truth, it's, it's very hard to sacrifice your will for God's will. It's, it's more natural. It's more in our nature to forget about God. We deal with this every Christmas. I'm... Committing my life to God, yes, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. But reality is, for the rest of the year, it's easy for us to forget about him, to grab control. You know, something happens in life, and all of a sudden we're worried. And as soon as we're worried, we try to fix it, don't we? We try to solve it. We try to control it. 
And when we try to control whatever it is in life that's got us freaked out, here's how I look at it. I look at it because I'm like, I'm like you. There's some areas in my life I'm, I'm struggling, and right now I, I've got more control, I think. And here's what I've learned. I hurt myself every time I don't surrender. I hurt myself in every area I don't surrender. I make life more painful, more difficult, more stressful. Every time I insist on my will instead of God's will, it's a wrong decision that never takes me where I really hope to go. Surrender is just simply trusting God's plans more than trusting our plans. Who has better plans, God or me? When I trust God with his plan, I go, your plans are better. When I decide, "Mm -mm, I'm going to do this, I'm thinking my plans are better than his. And here's the truth. Every one of us, we eventually surrender to something. Every one of us surrender to something or someone. We surrender to something or someone. All of us. We're going to surrender. We're either going to surrender to something or someone. And if it's not God, you know who it's going to be? You know what we're going to surrender to most likely? Look at that list I gave you under number two. Whatever you circled, that's what you'll surrender. The thing you're trying to control, it's really controlling you. You're trying to control your family. You're making all your decisions based on on how, how, how to get what you want for your family. It's controlling you. You're trying to control your career. You're making all your decisions, all your, all your life adjustments based on that career. It's controlling you. you. You're trying to control that relationship or trying to control that addiction or trying to it's con- We give up control to the very thing we're trying to control. Now, some of you, the difference is when you surrender to God, you're surrendering to the creator of the universe. You're surrendering to the one who created you, who loves you, who sent baby Jesus to not just be baby Jesus. I mean, Christmas and Easter are the bookends of Jesus' life. They're also the bookends of, of the time of human history. The two most important events in human history was when God became man and when God, when, when God man conquered death hell and the grave and when we surrender to god the god who loves us who sent jesus to die for us to pay for our sins who created you who has a plan and a purpose for your life who knows what's best for you that's the difference of who i'm surrendering to but it's got to be a daily decision and every morning i say oh god okay god i trust you today you're the leader i'm following you today I want your will to be done in my life today. In fact, that's the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray in the Sermon on the Mount when he gave us the Lord's Prayer. You know that prayer. In Matthew 6.10, Jesus says, May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So here's a question I want to leave you with today. I want you to be honest with yourself. Ask yourself, can I pray this prayer and really mean it? Can I pray this prayer sincerely? Jesus says, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can I pray this? God, may your kingdom come, may your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Even if that's not what I originally wanted, even if that wasn't really my idea, God, Jesus, you're the leader of my life. You're my Savior. You're my Lord. 
You take first place. Your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. I'll be honest, that's a hard prayer to pray and to mean it. Now, a lot of people can pray it. Any high school football player could take a knee, well, at least when I went to school, and he could pray it. But you didn't have to mean it to pray it. Can you pray it and mean it? Where you're putting Jesus first place. And when you do, that radically changes who you are. It radically changes how you relate to everyone around you. It radically changes everything in our life. When we live our life day by day, saying, Jesus, you're not that little babe that came to a way in a major... You are Lord for me. That means you're the supreme authority. You're in control. You're my Lord. I'm going to do what you say. Whatever you say, I'm going to do. Can you pray that prayer? And when you hear this song, Christmas Eve, or you hear it on the radio as it's playing, Away in a Manger, you know, and you start to feel that, that warm, fuzzy, that cute little baby kind of feeling that that brings up in us. Instead of focusing on cute little baby Jesus, instead, I want you to be reminded of the, of the greater message of this song. That Jesus, he has always been Lord. He is Lord. He has always been Lord. And he will always be Lord. And may we acknowledge him declare him Lord in our life on a daily basis by yielding our will to his will and doing what he says we should do. Why don't you join me in prayer as we ask God to help us with this. As we bow our heads and pray together, let this be kind of a time between you and God. Maybe there's some business you and God need to talk about. Maybe there's something you need to, you need to get right with him. First of all, I want to pray for those of you who, who you walked in today and you don't even really know if you have a relationship with God yet. You say, Jerry, I haven't been following Jesus. I don't have a relationship with him. If you prayed that prayer earlier, or even if you didn't and you want to pray it right now, it's a simple prayer. You just say, Jesus, I believe in you. It's a simple prayer. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe God raised you from the dead. I believe that you forgave my sins. So please come into my life and forgive me of my sins. I want to follow you. If you pray that prayer, you make him Lord and Savior in your life, God says he'll forgive you. He'll secure your eternity in heaven with him. He'll give you a path of meaning and purpose to follow, to walk on. Now, I also want to pray for those of you who maybe you're here today and you've been a Christian for a long, long time. But if we're honest, you've kind of been more of a follower of Jesus in words only. Because there's lots of areas of your life where he just has no say. You've taken back control. And you're living your life that way. You're not listening to him in these areas of your life. Because of that, you're experiencing quite a bit of pain and frustration and disappointment. And you don't know why you're so worried and why you're so anxious. Well, I'll tell you, it's because you're not created to be God. You weren't created to be the Lord. He's the only Lord. 
He's the only God. So you need to surrender control to that area of your life back to Him so you can really live your life. Right now, as we pray, would you take that area that's causing you stress or that's causing you worry or that's causing you fear, that area that you're clenching your fist around, and would you just open up your hand and and say, God, I want to give you control of this. And I know you're thinking, but there's repercussions. There's, if I do this, the dominoes will start falling. I'm not talking about five years or five months or five weeks from now. Just right now. Today. One day at a time. God, I want to give you control of this area of my life today. Show me what you want me to do. Tell me what you want me to, to do, and I'll do it. Right now as we pray. Would you just turn that over to him? Will you listen to him? Will you follow him? Will you say, Jesus, you be the Lord of every area. Take this area that I've been trying to fight over with you. I trust you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that not only are you a great father, but Jesus, you are an incredible savior. You are our leader. You are our Lord. May we all learn to submit to you and to follow you and to experience your very best for our lives. And we pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hi, it's Maligan. Tonight is your very last chance to visit our Christmas village if you haven't already or if you just want to enjoy it all over again. We've had five nights to practice, and now tonight is sure to be the best one yet. Thanks for worshiping with us today, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. See ya.